welcome to the Forster's More Than Law podcast. I'm Mary Stickland, Knowledge Development Lawyer in the Commercial Real Estate team, and joining me today are Emily Holstock, who's a Senior Associate in our construction team, together with Tamsin Collingridge, who is a first-year trainee in our construction team, but obviously exudes the confidence of a second-year trainee, because that's what I thought she was. <laughs> Hello. Morning. Morning. Welcome. Emily and Tamsin have agreed um, to join me today to talk about the special relationship between trainees and their supervisors. So for the uninitiated, Helen Marsh is our training principal here at the firm and so she's got overall responsibility for trainees. But could you explain how trainee supervisors um, play a different role in sort of mentoring trainees? Emily, do you want to start? We can, I can indeed. Uh, So the idea behind training supervisors, I think, has been in train for a while. I know um, in CRE there have been some trials and, and people have been looking after trainees on a kind of more informal basis. But I know that... Uh, in the feedback that uh, Nicole, who's head of our L&D here, and, and that Helen had got was uh, from the trainees, was that it would be really useful to have somebody in the department that the trainee can come to really as a first point of call for any uh, questions that you might have, whether that's a, a legal question, so for us a construction-related question, or a query about how you might go about doing a piece of research, or even just um, what I would call kind of silly questions like, where's the worst paper bin? Where can I hang my coat? And you laugh, Mary, but that was when I was a trainee, that was what I was nervous about, was asking that kind of questions. So we always try and and make trainees feel at ease, and it's just nice, I think, to have someone answer those questions, particularly if, I know, Tam, you've had a bit of kind of life experience after university, but when I was a trainee, I joined Forster's, at sort of 22, not having had a job really before. And just working in an office is massively different, isn't it? It's just something you, you need to get used to. Yeah, it's true. It took me, I remember as a trainee, ages to try and work out who was a partner and who I could get yes. to sign checks. Yeah. And yes. I basically just did it off how old do they look? <laughs> <laughs> Which is not actually... Which doesn't always work. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, so for us, the, the role has kind of... It's still taking shape, but the way that... Um, I manage it so I look after Tam who is our contentious trainee and we also have a a trainee Nick who is our non-contentious trainee who one of my colleagues looks after and what Dan and I did was we sat down at the beginning of the seat and we just gave Tam and Nick an overview of who is in the team who's a partner who's not a partner um, for us who does contentious work and who does non-contentious work because that's obviously directly relevant to, to the work that and Nick and Tam would be doing um, and just an expectation I suppose of how we thought the next four months might pan out in our team um, and then something that we also do is that the training supervisor is now responsible for doing mid-seat appraisals so Tam and I sat down and did that and we also do the end of seat appraisals with the partner and that's a little bit of a more formal process before the trainee moves on to the next team. And just explain how it was structured before this more sort of, because I think a lot of firms do and have for a long time operated on a kind of trainee supervisor basis but actually for example when you were a trainee it was slightly different. It was just a bit more informal I think so there was always someone around to ask uh, questions of but um, it's quite nice, I think, when you first go into a department, particularly, I think, if there, if it's a big department, we're quite small and we still have offices at the moment. So 
the obvious person for Tam to ask a question to would be me because we sh- we share a room. But in a in a bigger floor, you might feel a bit more nervous about it, I suppose. So previously, I would just ask whoever was kind of around. Yeah. Um, and then the end of seat appraisal and the mid seat appraisal was done by a partner. But I think actually, it's part of the change is obviously because it's it's direct trainee feedback and the person who does the um, appraisal ought to be the person who's kind of seeing day to day. Um, what's happening and and quite often partners are out doing BD or at yeah. lunches and meetings and things mm-hmm. so having someone who's observing kind of training behaviour all the time I think is quite helpful I think you've kind of I mean you've answered that one pretty well haven't you uh, <laughs> what else was I going to um, say yeah basically that we get one for each department we go in so I think that's a nice continual kind of theme that every seat we go in we will get dedicated supervisor and does it always tend to be a senior associate who's... I'm not sure I think I think there's a range I think most of us are probably senior associates but I think it's just people who um, have expressed an interest in looking after trainees yeah and I think it's yeah like you said you're my day-to-day contact really for anything so I don't necessarily get given the most work from Emily but because she is there it's really useful if it's just a very quick simple question rather than kind of bothering the person who's giving you the piece of work just be like you know ask Emily and she can tell me straight away I can carry on with it um and yeah and just other like non-work things as well has been really useful like um I think maybe before that when you're finding your feet in your first seat you wouldn't necessarily know kind of who to ask for just the really simple day-to-day stuff like how to book off holiday all of that stuff yeah and rather than bothering D or Helen or HR with it then someone who's been at the firm for a while who can just say, I'll oh, just do that and that, then it's been really useful. Good to have someone around who's kind of got that knowledge of yeah, second nature. Yeah, 100%, absolutely. So what are the kind of tasks that you might delegate to a trainee and how would you go about supervising, Emily? So there is nothing that I wouldn't delegate to a trainee. It really depends what we've got coming in. So I do contentious and non-contentious work, but because Tam is uh, our contentious trainee, I've primarily give her well exclusively give her contentious work so it might be anything from drafting letters first drafts of letters that we might be sending out or drafting notices or a research task it really just depends what my workload's looking like so I suppose a couple of recent examples would be that we had um, a client who wanted to deduct LADs because uh, so that's liquidated damages for a building contract where um, the contractor was running late and so there's a financial penalty on the contractor for um, for that and so they wanted to deduct that from money that they would have otherwise had to pay the contractor that month and there is a series of contractual notices that you have to, to send to be able to do that and it's quite fiddly so what Tam did for me was check the contractual provisions just made sure that we were following the right procedure that the notices got sent in the right order that we were sending them in the right way because some of them can go by email, some of them can't, some of them have to go by special delivery. And then Tam had a bash at drafting all of the notices to make sure they all contained all the right things. So it was hugely helpful to me because that's the kind of, it's quite a time-consuming exercise yeah. when you take all the kind of little questions into consideration about how, how it's served and who it's addressed to and which address it goes to, all those sorts of things. So Tam did a great job of those. And then some research as well. So one of the um, clients that we're working with at the moment had a question about what is practical completion? Um, when is a building actually finished? 
and there's been a case on that this year so Tam did some really helpful research on that and produced an art for us and parts of that that I then extracted and shared with the client in a meeting and then in written advice so any other kind of pearls Tam what else have we done together make you a daily cup of tea (laughs) (laughs) I'd just like to clarify for the record that I do not insist that my um, my attorneys make me tea yeah Tam and I drink a lot of tea we do she's trying to convert me to blackcurrant or something else horrible I just want just want builders (laughs) just want no Sam yeah yeah I'll go for the posh (laughs) (laughs) no PG tips here (laughs) do you find when Emily's giving you us it kind of helps if you've got some context around it rather than so you know the example you're just giving of the notices did you kind of talk about the context of it beforehand yeah absolutely um emily's really good at that i think she has kind of like a stock system on how she gives work in that she would always give us so my name clues in the name time <laughs> <laughs> a, um, a full brief overview of the of the matter to date because then you can really conceptualise it as yeah. a trainee and it really helps especially with contentious work because a lot of it is you get given something that's quite standalone and then it goes back to your supervisor and you, sometimes it's hard to see where it fits in the overall picture yeah. so in so Emily's great at kind of saying okay this is what needs doing this is why it's really useful and then after it's done kind of feeding back again and say kind of this how it's it's slotted in and how how it helped the clients so yeah I'd say that's that's one thing that Emily does really well it's kind of good to know what role you're actually playing in yeah absolutely the I think so transaction, isn't it? the way I always view it is that ultimately the idea behind being a trainee is to develop into a qualified lawyer and when you're a qualified lawyer you're going to be responsible for either discrete parts of a transaction initially mm-hmm. and eventually the whole thing and if you haven't been taught the context, how can you possibly ever learn the skills that you need yeah. To, yeah. to develop? So I think it's really important. And I, it was something that I always appreciated when I was a trainee. You were probably the same. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think otherwise you just don't really... Actually, I think in a way it, it makes you add importance to the task that you're doing. Because, you know, some of the tasks can seem really dull when you're just photocopying or bibling or whatever, which I know now tends to go more to sort of admin. But... um but it's good to know that actually there is a purpose for that and why it's really important that you get these sort of tasks that seem unimportant, you know, right. Yeah, and Tom and, Tom and I were chatting about that actually and, and the way I view that is that I would never delegate a piece of work that I couldn't do myself and that I didn't know how to do myself. Mm-hmm. And so what I said to Tam was, if even if it is a task, I don't know, compiling a, a bundle for council or something like that, it's really useful for her to have done that exercise so that if ever she can't do it or she, she needs to give it to someone else when she's qualified or she explains to admin, she, she knows what format she wants it in, how, how it kind of looks so that she can give those instructions clearly enough to, um, to pass them on. Yeah. So I think even if it's a kind of a mundane task always to kind of get as much learning from it as you can. Good approach. Yeah, very good approach. <laughs> so what are the things that you're finding most valuable in the kind of context of trainee supervisor relationship other than learning how to make very strong tea? <laughs> yeah. Other than finding the perfect amount of milk. Um, well, I think, I think we're quite u- unique in construction that we sit in individual rooms. So obviously I sit directly with Emily and it's just us tea. Um, so it's really easy for me to ask advice on kind of the stupid stuff that if you were a kind of open plan, you might not 
kind of be as confident to do and it is a first seat trainee I think that's been so helpful yeah um but also kind of Emily's senior associate and she does work pretty much with everyone in the department so some days it can be a bit of a thoroughfare people coming in probably every half I don't know how you get work done (laughs) every half an hour asking advice but being able to sit and listen to how she gives advice to people that are older in the department and how they interact with her how the Emily manages her workload and she's got kind of lots of conflicting stuff coming in um and yeah and also calls coming to clients she's really helpful that she normally puts them on loudspeaker for me so I even if I'm doing something else I can kind of hear how she's approached it how they're talking to her about the the matter so yeah that's been a really useful experience actually being in the same room as her. So Emily if you were going to describe your ideal trainee (laughs) um, what what are the attributes that you kind of most value in the trainees that you supervise? I think there are two so for me listening I think is the most important skill for any trainee so when you're giving instructions to somebody it's so important that the trainee looks like they're listening and obviously that they are listening (laughs) because it's really unnerving when you're giving someone work and they're looking around or they're you know not taking notes um so that that probably leads on to the next thing is that I would say to any trainee and, and we do say at the start of every seat to the trainees carry around your pen and paper everywhere because a lot of what we're saying is quite technical and we might talk about clause references in a contract and there's no way you can remember all of that so I always say to the trainee carry your pen and paper around write everything down and um, I'm a bit pedantic I suppose because quite often I mean it's not as contrived as this in real life but quite often <laughs> I do ask the trainees to parrot back the instructions so that I can check that they understand what I've asked them to do and make sure they're not going to just go off and waste time doing something that I haven't asked for. Um, and we also always set down, don't we, um, time scales yeah. for, for giving work back. So all of that, if it's written down, I think is quite helpful. Yeah. But also I think for a supervisor, for any supervisor, I think having a trainee who is willing to get stuck in and willing to work hard and looks interested and looks like they're enjoying themselves because there's nothing worse than sitting with a trainee who's just giving you nothing back yeah. and not asking any questions. And and I quite often say to trainees, it might be, you know everything about construction or you might be better at it than me, but just ask some questions. Ask about why you've, why you've done something in a certain way or why was the client happy with that piece of advice or any, any information you can get like that. And I think that... If a trainee appears engaged, I think they get so much more from... Slightly off-piece, but do you find... I mean, when I trained, I was in property finance for my first seat, and, I mean, I was terrible at landlord at law school. (laughs) I just about passed my landlord exam. Had no desire at all to be a property lawyer at the time, but just absolutely loved it. Do you find that people come in with kind of quite a fixed mindset about whether they're going to enjoy construction or that you know maybe actually aspirationally they're thinking they they know from the start which department they might want to qualify into uh I think they probably do I mean I certainly speaking from personal experience like that's exactly what happened to me I was convinced I mean obviously Forsters is very well known for private client and real estate work and I thought I wanted to be a private client or a family lawyer I was pretty sure that that's what was for me I'd love family law at university 
and I really liked the private client electives at law school. So I was pretty sure that was what was going to happen. And when I was, in my day, you couldn't pick which yeah. seat you wanted to go to, you were just given. And I was given construction as my second seat, having done private client. And I was like, what's construction law? Because you don't re- it's not something that you would study at uh, university no. and you kind of do it in passing in some of the advanced electives on the LPC. But I didn't really know what it was. So I think it's not necessarily a preconception that you're not going to like it. It's a kind of mindset, well, what is it? Is it kind of, is it for me? What yeah. kind of skills am I going to need? And actually all it is is, is contract. It's commercial contracts, essentially. Um, and then obviously the litigation side is it's just commercial litigation, but about a specific subject matter. Yeah. But um, do you find that people, when they come in with a sort of more open mindset they kind of tend to get more out of it. Are they the trainees that you kind of see flying? I think so. And I think Tam's probably one of those because I know, Tam, you you think you might want to be a litigator, don't you? Yeah, I've, I've loved it. I think from getting views from other trainees from years above, I think construction has got a bit of a bad reputation. <laughs> <laughs> is completely unfounded because I think it is the technical and because people don't really know about it it's not it doesn't fit into property it doesn't fit into private client it's kind of on its own but actually when you if you go there with a completely open mind and look at it for what it actually is it's a really interesting area to actually learn yeah and I think also because it's so uh, busy and there's so much work that's coming in on the contentious and non-contentious side I think for trainees they delegate so many tasks that actually you might not get in other departments yeah and I think they give you a lot more responsibility and if you show that you are keen and you've enjoyed it and you want that responsibility they're really happy for you to kind of go away and kind of draft anything that they would and then they'll take it back yeah so I think it's a really unique kind of department that there is both sides contentious non-contentious so you can really see how they fit in and how they fit together because for the contentious if you don't understand the documents that are primarily non-contentious you're not really going to understand why someone can sue on them yeah so to have that balance has been really um really interesting I think that's the best thing about construction. That's my little plug for the construction team. <laughs> for any trainees listening to this, is that it's actually one of the only departments, I think, in the firm where you can do contentious and non-contentious. And I I do do both. I historically did a lot of non-contentious, well, solely non-contentious. Yeah. And now it's probably not quite 50-50, but not far off. Um, and you can balance both. And I do think, uh, Tam's exactly right, you have to understand the documents and how they work to be able to litigate on them effectively, I think, to sort of have some kind of grounding in the non-contentious side is um, very important. So it sounds like you are... I mean, my next question is going to be about kind of... Are you clear about the expectations of you as a trainee um, at Forsters? But it sounds like in terms kind of work types, workload, you are. What about kind of other activities outside the kind of strict sort of work fee-earning side of things. Yeah, we were talking about this yesterday, weren't we? And I think I think there is a definite expectation of Forsters that as a trainee you should try and get involved as as, as many things as you can. Um, and I don't think that's like a daunting prospect because it's so easy to do. There's so many different, mm. like, 
you could join committees, you can join charity, there's like book club, there's there's all the like choir, there's quiet. There is literally you can get your choir yeah. plug in as well. <laughs> <laughs> you no, I went once. I, went once. <laughs> I think they'd have kicked me out if I had, even had I actually decided to um, stick with it. EDI committee, I sit yeah, on, you sit which on is that. a good one. You're on the green committee. On the yeah. EDI committee, equality, diversity, and uh, inclusion. Yeah, oh, and I know you're on new. green committee because you served yeah. me a very nice halloumi breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear it. Get the green plug in, um, and I'm also in book club. I think the type of people that force is attracted those that don't just want to sit at their desk every day and have no kind of outside experience. And I think the firm is really good at allowing people to kind of dip into loads of different things. Um, I think kind of on the first day, it was made quite clear that you only get out what you put in. And I think you've got two years and it's quite like a kind of an interesting two year process. And because we move much more frequently than other firms, I think if you can try and work as hard as you can and make the most of those four months, then then when you move, you've got a really good foundation on kind of the previous one and you can just keep kind of building on that yeah and I think because the work is so interlinked with all the different departments that if you can really try and kind of meet as many people in the different departments in the extracurricular then it really helps you when you're building up and you're moving seats because obviously it can be a bit daunting now having sat with Emily for four months to think I'm now going to a brand new department where I don't actually know that many people but if you can really try and meet as many of the different people in different departments then it makes that kind of transition so much easier. easier yeah yeah absolutely um so talking of moves that means you've got your end of seat appraisal coming yep. up soon yep, all booked in <laughs> <laughs> how do you kind of pro- i mean do you provide fee- feedback on an ongoing basis i mean it sounds like you do and um how do you kind of approach the review process I think it's really important to give feedback as you're going along because, I mean, certainly even for me now when I get feedback from from the partners on work, it's useful to have the feedback immediately after you've completed a task. Otherwise, if you waited till um, the end of seat appraisal, that might be two months away. Yeah. And you've forgotten the intricacies around what exactly you did and why you did it in a certain way. So I always try and give feedback as soon as I can after a after a matter is completed. The way that we do our appraisals here, I think I mentioned earlier, we have a mid-seat appraisal, which is quite informal, and what I would do for that, so that's just me and Tam, and I would go around and just spend five minutes with the people that Tam's worked for and ask for feedback on specific things that she's done well. And then in the, in the appraisal, we'll just have a quick conversation about what Tam's enjoyed, what she's found... Um, most rewarding what she has found challenging and maybe why and and also what she hasn't done very much of that she would like to do yeah um so there is i know there's a sort of sra list of competencies if you like that trainees have to have to tick off um so if we found that she was kind of particularly lacking in drafting or meeting or or whatever it would be that we would try and kind of address that in the second half of the seat and then the end of seat's a little bit more formal because you've got form to fill in, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> Which is quite long. <laughs> and um, the process is going to be largely the same in terms of getting feedback from others. But the only difference really will be that uh, Andrew, who's the contentious partner, will sit in on that as well and, um, and give his feedback and, mm-hmm. and sign off before Tam moves on to 
private client. Oh, is that where you are? Yeah, I'm going to London Estates. Um, and what is your best lesson that you've learned so far as a trainee? And I think we should ask Emily this question as well as a supervisor. This is the hardest question, I think. Do you want me to go first? I think, well, I think for me, the best lesson that I ever kind of told myself when I was a trainee always to remember, and I really try, but the older I get, the harder it is, um, <laughs> is not to forget what it was like to be a trainee. Yeah. You know, you don't don't know anything about construction. You don't necessarily know how to behave in an office. If you've not, like me, I hadn't done that at all. So I always try and just be a friendly kind of sounding board or a friendly face. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the big thing for me, I think. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think, well, you've already touched on one of them, actually, that this was something that Emily kind of stressed quite early on that not everything I get given is going to be the most exciting piece of work, but to really see it as kind of part of the learning process and the idea that you've already mentioned that I shouldn't be giving anything out that I haven't done before. Yeah. So the two-year process is a really good way of making sure that kind of you've got all of those like building blocks and that I know what it should look like. And, you know, even if it's just compiling some correspondence files or something on the face of it it's not that exciting but actually when it's a really key piece of kind of documents for certain proceedings and having that as a as something to look back on then when you can kind of conceptualize it and put it into like the picture on how it works then it actually becomes a lot more uh, interesting yeah um, and I think specifically for construction it's a really busy department there's lots of work most of the time so it putting really good systems in place and learning how to manage the workload and not being scared to go to the partner and say I've actually got too much on can I give it to you tomorrow and kind of that is just learning to always ask for when it's needed and that's a really then good feeding stuff down and just being just organized and just making sure that you've kind of written everything down you know you're on top of things but not feeling daunted by the fact that actually not everything is as urgent as it as it may seem yeah. and just to feed that back to people and then they'll be really realistic and open with you about when they actually need it yeah rather than just being slightly stressed behind the scenes going I've got too much to do yeah so it's good to kind of have dead well know what your deadlines yeah, are absolutely do you ever write a list and then tick things off yeah, that you've already done oh, list. <laughs> yeah. a big list I am a huge lister I have lists sub lists like sub sub lists <laughs> you wouldn't believe it I probably spend more time doing lists than I do actually doing work <laughs> well you can tick podcast off your list exactly, now because exactly. you've officially finished thank you both so much for joining me today and if listeners uh, want to hear any more about the firm you can head over to our website forstus.co.uk UK. You can visit all our various social media feeds. So we've got Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and if you want to hear any more of our podcasts, um, you can use your usual podcast provider, um, including SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Um, and again, many thanks to you both for joining me. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. Until next time, goodbye.